Well, good evening. It is good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us, as always. Something that I don't think I've mentioned on Sunday night, um, something that we started a couple of weeks ago in the library over here. We placed a suggestion box out for sermon <coughs> suggestions and Bible questions. And um, this week I actually had a card in there, and I was really excited about that. Uh, so I used that as my Kyle's Corner in the bulletin. So there's a question and answer for that. And uh, if you have any questions or suggestions that you want to give to me, you can give them to me anonymously if you'd like. Or just drop them in that box, and then I'll be glad to get to those at some point in a sermon or something. And uh, I think it'll help us all to grow a little bit. And uh, I think this last question helped me a little bit too. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's available to you. Our uh, lesson for tonight continues our one-word series. We're in our, well, 17th lesson now, if you include father and mother. Um, but tonight's word is one that is difficult. Both lessons for today have been uh, a couple of more challenging lessons that I've had. Today we talked about um, the commands of God and, and how we are to honor those, and especially within our hearts. Um, and this lesson is also challenging. As we look at the word judgment, most of the time if you were to use that word in a sentence or in conversation with somebody, it's most of the time going to be taken in a negative sense. People think negatively on the word judgment. I want you to think for a moment about the world that we live in. Now, things have changed greatly. Even in, in my few years of memory, I can see that the world has changed greatly, even within the last 10, 15 years. We now live in a society that wants to be politically correct. And so many things have changed in that regard, especially in the way we look at judgment. As looking at a society that is, is politically correct, it is no longer right to judge in the eyes of many people. We cannot judge people. We cannot judge gender or sexual preference, if you will. We cannot judge by the way they dress or how they act or anything like that. And if we do judge them, we now have become racist or discriminatory in some way. We cannot judge situations and lifestyles. We cannot tell someone that the way that they are living is wrong, even in regard to God's Word. That's discouraged many Christians from being evangelistic because we're afraid of, of what people might think of what we have to say. We must be very careful of how we talk to them uh, even about their spiritual condition for fear of how it might be received and what might happen because of it. Have you ever thought about it? But, but it seems like 2 plus 2 no longer equals 4. If I were to go and announce to a group of people that I believe that 2 plus 2 is 7, or I believe 2 plus 2 is 5, there are some people that would probably say, well, you know, you might have something there. Things are no longer black and white like they once were. Now we have many shades of gray and blue. 
pink and yellow. And you see where I'm going with this. But our world has changed greatly in an effort to be politically correct. And as we look at our world and how it has changed, we also see that, that from a spiritual standpoint, the beliefs of, of the world around us have changed greatly. Uh, eternal judgment, uh, judgment that, that leads to an eternal heaven or hell, it's seen differently by so many people. Though many believe in, in a reward for faithful living, the idea of eternal punishment is questionable at best. Some believe that the righteous will be ushered into heaven or, or maybe they'll enjoy a, a heaven on earth experience. But that the wicked will be completely annihilated, ceasing to exist. Or maybe they believe that, that those who have not been faithful to God will maybe, I, I've heard that there's some that believe that, that we'll get the judgment and, and God will, will look at, at people and they'll be separated, the, the sheep from the goats, and, and they'll look over and say to those who have been wicked, just come on in. That's what people believe when it comes to God's judgment. The final day of judgment. You see, hell no longer exists in the eyes of a great many people. Even those who claim to be religious. Matthew 7.1 is often cited in regard to man's judgment upon another. But it is often abused and we'll look at that in a moment. But we see that so many things have changed in our world in recent years. The word judgment can be used basically in three different ways. Judging a situation or a behavior to be right or wrong. As we look at the court system, we, we have this idea of judgment within that setting. We think of someone that is sitting in the seat of judgment. And a lot of times when we see judges, we often view them in a light where, where we think that they, they have too much power and too much authority and, and they, they abuse that to a great degree. And some really do. And some use it for a lot of good. I've seen several times in viral videos of, of one particular judge, and I can't remember the state that he's in, but, but he's a very kind and compassionate judge, and people love him for that. But, but we think of, of judgment being within the court system, and, and certainly it is. If someone has committed a wrong, someone of authority must judge the offender to be guilty, and what must be done next? in that regard. When punishment is exacted upon someone for a crime committed against another, judgment has to be passed. God's judgment on the world, based on the wickedness of mankind, we see that, that exhibited in Scripture as well. And so we see that, that kind of judgment, that, that action kind of judgment, uh, passing judgment on someone and of course that makes some people mad. But it must be done. And as we look at the general judgment of man, judging whether or not I should do something, 
going to a party or a special event, knowing uh, that work needs to be done maybe even. You know, we have to make many kinds of judgments on, on whether this is a good decision or a not so good decision. Judging whether or not I should, should help the homeless man on the street corner. Is he going to take my money and, and go buy alcohol or, or drugs with it? Well, we make a judgment when we decide that. Judging whether or not I should see a certain movie or watch a certain TV program or visit a certain website on the internet. Knowing that maybe something that I'll see or hear might be inappropriate for a Christian. We might judge that does this have too much language or too much violence or, or too much of this or that. We make a judgment on whether that's a good decision or a bad decision. And sometimes we get burned. But we make all kinds of, of judgments in that regard in our day-to-day -day lives. And so the word judgment does come in that regard as well. And then we think of the final, the, the, the day of the Lord, as it is often referred to. The final day of man. When we face God to be judged by our deeds on earth. That's all, most often what we think of when we think of the word judgment. As we're looking at our lesson for tonight... Our lesson objectives are, first of all, to determine whether or not judgment is necessary and, if so, how God expects us to practice judgment. How it applies to us as man and also how it applies to God. And I also want us to, to really think about our own lives and prepare ourselves for the final judgment of God. Let's look first at the judgment of man. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Let's explore this verse. Matthew 7 and verse 1. Contrary to human belief, God expects man to judge. So many people say, judge not. You cannot judge me. That's not what God's Word says. and That's not what this verse states either. But in Matthew 7, beginning with verse 1, let's read the context here. We'll read through verse 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now just looking at the context of Matthew chapter 7, we see that according to verses 2, 5, and 6, that man is expected to make some kind of judgment. As he judges... He will be judged. Though we must judge, we must be careful how we judge, knowing that we will be judged in the same way by God or by fellow man. 
whatever judgment you get will come back to you whether good or bad. In verse 5, my judgment should be clear in order to help someone in a difficult situation or predicament. If I'm looking at someone and I have the same thing in my life that they have wrong in their lives, I'm not going to be able to see that clearly. I'm not going to be able to judge from a clear standpoint. I cannot judge someone to be sinful while committing the same sin. That's hypocrisy. I must make sure that I am free from a certain sin before I can tell others that they should be free from it or how they can be free from it. And in verse 6, I must judge between dogs and swine and decide to whom my holiness and pearls respectively are going. So uh, those three verses within the context of judge not that you be not judged. There are three verses in that same context that teach us that judgment is necessary in some way. Scripture does, does teach that I should be careful with my judgment. In John chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. I want you to think of John 7 and 24 in regard to Matthew 7 and verse 1. One says, Judge not. Don't judge. That you be not judged. But the other says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. You see, if we looked at it from the standpoint of the world where it looks at, at Matthew 7 1 as you can't judge at all, then that's a contradiction of John 7 and verse 24. And certainly that's not the case. But we are to judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment is expected of every Christian. Even going back to the Old Testament in the Leviticus chapter 19, verses 15 and 16, it says this, Leviticus 19, verse 15, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Uh, another thing that we understand about judgment is that we are not to be partial. We are not to judge with partiality toward one and not toward another. And sometimes it's easy to be partial toward one and not another. Uh, several weeks ago now, I remember telling you about an incident that, that we had in the preschool. And I do have certain children that, that maybe I do like more than others. I remember in high school I had a teacher that said that, that she had favorites, but you never know which ones they were. So it's okay to have favorites. Just don't tell them which ones are your favorites. And I did have a, a favorite student. And uh, in particular, the, this student, toward the end of the year, she, she told me something that wasn't true. She told me a lie, and it hurt. But as a, a teacher, one of the things that, that I had to do is I had to judge impartially. Even though she was one of my favorites, 
still I had to judge with righteous judgment, if you will. And it's the same way with, with certain people, with family members and things of that nature. Whenever it comes to judgment of any kind, we are to judge with righteous judgment and we are to judge impartially. It doesn't matter who they are or what relation we have to them, we must judge impartially in whatever the matter may be. In James chapter 2, and beginning with verse 1, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You're not to judge with partiality. God is no respecter of persons as we read in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 and neither should we be. If God is not a respecter of persons, He doesn't want us to be respecters of persons either. And so, we must be careful of how we judge in regard to partiality. Whenever we look at judgment, another thing that we must understand is that man does not possess the authority and judgment of God. Whenever it comes to judging people or their situations or their spiritual condition, one of the things that I cannot do, one of the things that I do not have the authority nor the knowledge necessary to do is to judge them into heaven or hell. Christians do not have what it takes to do that and only God does. And so we need to leave that to God. <clears throat> now based on one's deeds we are able to judge from a, a scriptural standpoint the direction of a soul, uh, the direction that they are headed. Uh, we can see if they're doing wrong. If, if we understand that they are sinning in some form or fashion, if there's something that is wrong in their lives, we can judge to the point that we can see their direction. But it is not up to us to judge them into eternity. We can help them to turn to the right direction, to turn to God and to follow Him. But we need to leave eternal judgment only to God. You see, God does possess the knowledge, the wisdom, and the authority necessary to decide one's spiritual condition and eternal destination. At the final judgment, we are promised that Jesus Christ will judge us based on how we have lived this life. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Look at how Paul addresses Timothy here. I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. And it goes on from there. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. God will judge. 
eternally. But that is not within man to make that kind of judgment. And for the rest of our lesson, I want us to look at the judgment of God. Because it's important that we understand judgment from God's perspective. We remember that there, there is a type of judgment that is passed upon people. Uh, upon their wickedness or something that they've done. And, and God, we see, has in time past passed judgment on the world. Look at Genesis chapter 6. Let's look at the days of Noah. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. <clears throat> Verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 11 we read, The earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And we know the rest of that. He told Noah to build an ark for the saving of himself and his household. And the animals came in two by two. And we know the, all of that story. But we understand that God passed judgment upon the world. He looked at the world. He saw the evil in the world. And he said, I'm going to destroy it. And he had the authority to do so. And, and on Noah, he looked at his righteousness and, and he said... I'm going to spare you. He gave him an opportunity to obey his voice. And Noah by faith did what God told him to do. And he saved himself and his house. We see that, that God also passed judgment on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 19 beginning with verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn in, into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. And then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly so they turned in to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. In verse 4, now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. 
And they called the lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you. And you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Verse 9, and they said, Stand back! And they said, this one came in to stay here, he, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Does that sound familiar? This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Does that sound like what people say today? So they pressed hard against the man lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. And in verse 12, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy. Let's get down to verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Uh, we see the, the wickedness. It was so great in Sodom that these men came to know the men that had come into the city. It's awful. So bad that the Lord had already intended to destroy the city. But similarly, as he looked upon Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, so did Lot. The names of Sodom and Gomorrah are well known to us today, but more so for their wickedness and their destruction than anything good they might have ever done. And speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, let's look for a moment at 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. This is speaking of the pending doom of false teachers. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, it says this, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of, of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust under punishment 
for the day of judgment. Will God do that today? Will He do today what He has done in the past? Would God pass judgment on a wicked nation completely destroying a people that has turned away from Him? Might it happen to the nation we live in today? Those are questions that I cannot answer, but I can say that that God has the every ability. He has the authority. He has every right to do that if He so chooses. We also notice God's judgment in the final judgment, the day of the Lord that we mentioned earlier. We're going to sing the song in a moment. There's a a great day coming. And it will be a great day. Great in magnitude and importance. This will be a day day of reckoning. All will be judged by God to be either faithful or not. It's going to be the greatest day that, that we could ever imagine in that regard. Greater than anything that we have ever experienced on this earth, we will all face God. Those who are faithful, those who are unfaithful alike, it's going to be a great, great day. It's going to be a bright day. There are many who will finally see the day that they have been waiting for. The day that that they get to see God. The day that they face Him. The day that they are rewarded for for all the pain and the sorrow that they have endured in this life. A a, a day where their their days of hard labor, they're working for the Lord, they're winning souls to Christ, is finally ended and and they're rewarded for the great deeds they have done on this earth. It's going to be a very bright day. A wonderful day. And they'll enter into eternity. They'll enter into heaven. A place that we know in Scripture is prepared for those who are faithful. Not just there, it's prepared for us. And Jesus tells us that He had gone away to prepare it in John John chapter 14. It's going to be a magnificent day. For the faithful few who have chosen the difficult path, but the right path. Matthew 7 and verse 14, Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. There are a few who find. Oh, what a magnificent day for the faithful to God. But we also understand that this is going to be a very sad day also. You see, for many more, this will be the day that they realize the reality of refusing God. Many who have never obeyed the gospel. 
Those who have obeyed and remained faithful to God for a time, but have sadly turned away from His service, treasuring more the pleasures of the world than anything that God could offer. For those who know not God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will be a very sad day. For the many who have chosen the wrong path, Matthew 7 verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. It'll be a very sad day for a great many people. It'll be the day that, that all realize who God is and all will bow before Him and confess His name. We also understand from Scripture that judgment is a separation. It's a separation of the sheep from the goats. Christ will be our judge and we will be judged based on our deeds in this life. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. The Son of Man, that's another reference to Christ. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me food. I was thirsty and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger and you took Me in. I was naked and you clothed Me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, as much as you did it, to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Verse 41, then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, and to the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away with everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Something I noticed that, that I hadn't really thought about before. Who is the judge? 
Christ. And all those who are faithful, they, they have all these things. You, you've done this and that, and, and, and you've done these things to me. And, and how honored we would be to, to see Christ and to, to hear Him say, you've, as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. But, but think of the wicked. Think of those who, who have neglected to do those things necessary. They're going to have to face Christ. They're going to have to see Him and hear Him say, you didn't do it to me. You neglected all these things. You didn't do them to me. And they're going to have to hear those words from Christ Himself. Those who are found guilty of neglecting the needs of the Son and the needs of His body, the church, be ushered into everlasting punishment. A punishment that will never end but everlasting punishment. Those who are found faithful. Those who are found faithful. The righteous. Those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, remember from a few weeks ago that we talked about righteousness. And, and it's not our righteousness to wear, but it's given to us based on whether or not we have been obedient to God. But here we come. We're clothed in His righteousness. And we'll be led into an eternal reward. Only if we're faithful. Judgment is going to mean different things for different people based on how we have lived this life and how we face God. I want to face God righteous before Him. And I think you do too. You wouldn't be here tonight. Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized for the mission of your sin? Have you remained faithful? Those are questions that I can't answer, but you can. You can answer them for yourselves. And if you answer in the negative to any of those, if you've not obeyed the gospel, or maybe you need to come back and rededicate your life to Christ, maybe you need to ask for prayer on your behalf, if there is some need that you may have, know that we could face judgment at any moment. We don't know when Christ will come for us, but we know that He is coming. And as in the song that we sang before the sermon, we have to be prepared. Don't be careless. Don't play with your soul for your eternity. But if you need to come, as we always do, we give you the opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. Not mine, not the congregations here, but the Lord Himself invites you to come. If you need to do so, Please come as we stand and as we stand.